0: Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Julius, and this is episode 134.
1: Are you ready to Ragnarok and roll? Which is fitting because there's a lot of dice rolling in this game. (laughs)
0: That's very true. I hadn't even thought about that.
1: (laughs) Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the One Player Podcast. Hey, how's it going? Yep, welcome back. I'm Julius and I'm here with Albert. Wait, wait a second here. Let me interrupt. Actually, Julius is uh, not here right now. I'm I was in the process of editing. Now, originally this episode was going to have an interview and that sort of fell through Well, I actually got delayed because I hadn't realized the date anyway. The my point is I'm going to fill this time with something else. Um so, what I'd like to talk today about is the CRGE, the Conjectural Role Playing Game Master Emulator. Um, the reason I want to talk about this actually, well, a couple of reasons, I've been wanting to talk about this forever. But um, I just recently heard that very sadly the designer, Zach Best, is in hospice care right now. Um, I thought I'd bring it up now. So what this is, is a another system similar to the stuff I've talked before, like Mythic, which lets you play a, a role-playing game solo. Um, for example, you could take Dungeons & Dragons, take one or, or more characters, and go through an adventure on your own. You can't use a published adventure, per se, but you could make your own as you go along. The the issue with published adventures is that it requires um reading the adventure and knowing what's going on, and... That really doesn't work, but don't worry. This takes care care of that sort of thing, and you still get all sorts of surprises. So actually, this system is available through Drive It's pay what you want. Um, so I think you could actually just pay zero if you want to, but you know I would encourage you to pay more, as much as you can. Um, and you'll get what you'll get is a PDF document. It is let me see, about thirty pages, thirty two pages long. And uh, it's a very simple book, it's uh, not tons and tons of text, but the the way this system works basically, every time you get to a point where you need to make a choice, and it isn't necessarily an obvious choice, or you just want somebody other than yourself to have to decide, you ask a, a yes or no question. Um, For example, let's say you're an explorer, and you're going through some jungles, jungle ruins, and you, you're going to enter a room, and so you may want to find out, well, you know, what do I see in here? So you may say, is this? Is there anybody in this room? And then you're going to roll percentile dice between uh, 1 and 100. So you roll your percentile dice, and you look in a chart. And basically, depending on what you get, the answer is either going to be yes or no. And it's not that quite that straightforward, but that's basically what's going to happen. Um, so you're going to find out, yes, the room is inhabited, or no, it's not. Well, if you get a yes, now you're going to probably want to ask another question to figure out who it's inhabited by. Or, or honestly, you may know who it's inhabited by. You may have already decided, oh, I really want to be this way. So you just do that and not go beyond that. Or or you may not really be sure, and then you may ask another question. You know, is it natives? Is it Nazis? Is it whoever? Um, and then, you know, you'll go through and you ask your questions. Now, I said it's not quite that simple. When you roll the percentile dice, there's a couple different results you could get. Let me look at the table here. Super simple table. And also depends on what type of question you're asking. Is it combat related? Is it is it a, is it a question that you're trying to find an answer to knowledge, to a conflict, or to an ending? Um, and depending which category you pick, the, the spread of the the answers could be a little bit different. So for example, if I'm asking a question that I'm trying to find knowledge, like in my example of where where in Indiana joins going into a cave, um, 51 through 80, yes, There's somebody in the room. 81 through 85, yes, and. um, 86 through 95, yes, but. 96 through 100, yes, and unexpectedly. Um, There's a similar spread going from 50 down, 49 down, I guess, um, with no's. And so let me explain yes and and yes, but and those things, because they're not necessarily obvious. But what that means, let's say I asked, is there anybody in the room and the and I wrote, yes and. Well that'd be something like yes and they're armed. Which suddenly makes it a little bit worse. Or yes and they're about five feet away from you. But looking the other way maybe. Well. So so that's the sort of complication that it added. The yes but um sort of kind of but not quite negates the, the yes part of it. So yes there there's somebody in the room, but they're actually asleep. Or, or yes but they're having an argument you know wh- whatever you think makes sense to you you just go with it um the other part uh, was it? yes and unexpectedly um sounds like i haven't actually tried that one yet but it sounds like yes yeah, something's going on and unexpectedly they're they're leaving you know which <laughs> they're leaving with the loot that might be interesting, so you know that's just a, a it's a more of extreme number because it's closer to the hundred so so it's just much more unexpected so as you can see it's it's a pretty simple system all I you got to do is know which question to ask, ask it, get your answer, and then keep going um, now personally, I have found this sort of stuff works very well when I'm playing a role playing game solo where I'm writing out my experience um, because it sort of slows down the story if I'm just thinking it in my head. And then rolling the dice and thinking something, rolling the dice and going for it, go, it'll go really fast and, and not as, at least for me, not as fun. Um, now, I mentioned, now, also I should say, this chart and this part that I'm talking about is called the Loom of Fate, um, which is a neat name. It reminds me of the game Loom, which we've mentioned on this show before, I think. So, okay, so, oh, look, I hadn't seen this before. Down at the bottom, there's another chart for the unexpectedlies. Um, you roll again. And unexpected could be foreshadowing, or some time off, or costume change. You know, there's about 20 different options in here. Um, so unexpectedly, something's going to happen, and it's going to twist the story a bit. The other thing that makes this more interesting is there, there's a, a surge count. Basically, that means every time you roll the dice, if you just get a plain vanilla yes or vanilla no, you you increase the surge count by 2. Um, the next time you row, you're gonna add. You're gonna modify your row by that number by two. Um, if you roll above fifty in the yes sides, you add two. If you roll below fifties, you, you subtract two. So it's basically just pushing your result towards the extreme. If your result is still in the just vanilla yes or vanilla no, you're gonna add two more to your search count. Next time it's four, and it's gonna keep going up and up. So so you know you're eventually gonna get an extreme answer. That's going to be unexpected and hopefully add more twist to your, to your adventure to make it less predictable. Every time that happens where, where you get a one of the more extreme ones, the yes and yes but sort of thing, then you reset your search count again. Um, and that's how that's a very simple system. Super easy to use um, to play with any RPG. It'll really work with just about any traditional style RPG um, in which each person has a character and then there's a Dungeon Master or Game Master sort of character. It's excellent for that style of system. It doesn't work so well with other games, say like um, a fiasco, or or microscope, where everybody's working together to build a story. And you know, fiasco, everybody has a character, but even then, you're sort of working together, and and doing things that oppose each other sometimes. And that sort of opposed role playing doesn't work so well. Similar with a game like microscope, which everybody's working together to, to tell a story, um, and there is no character that anybody controls. That, that one is a little bit harder to do it with because that sort of game really thrives on the, um, the interaction that the different people provide and the different unexpected curves people provide. I, I mean, you might still be able to do that. Personally, I don't feel it works so well, but it, it might. Um, so, we're talking about CRGE. There's actually three modules in this there's the Luma Fates, which I just described, there's something called Conjured Threads, Story Index CRGE module. What this module actually does, I think, is going to add a little more structure to your game. Um, the game I described before is very freeform and open-ended, right? You know, I could go from, I'm exploring um, some ruins in a jungle, and to the next thing I know, maybe I've left the jungle and now I'm on a cruise ship going to Antarctica, and just because of the questions I asked, and this is where it led me. It should be really weird, and kind of just, you know, all over the place, right? It doesn't make sense. Um... The other thing, what it adds is is scenes, and and I think the ability to build a better story arc and threads, as they call it, um, which sort of help tie each of the scenes together. Um, it doesn't really build a story, but it 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 lets you. Uh, here, here they give examples. So, what what are the th- scenes? A scene is basically um, the well, it's like a scene in a play. That's basically what it says here. Threads. They give examples of what a thread is. It's basically something that is driving that scene or that story. Um, and for example, in the Caribbean, the Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, a thread might have been Jack Sparrow needs a ship. Um, so that's driving that whole scene. All the characters, or mainly Jack Sparrow, really, is trying to find a ship, and everything he does is is trying to lead towards that. Um, another thread might be Will loves Elizabeth. So the way Will behaves. Is impacted by the fact that he loves Elizabeth um, and so that's what the threads are these are the, the, the things that sort of drive your story along with a purpose um, so that if you do end up going to Antarctica you probably now have a, a stronger reason why and it makes more sense other than it just being totally random the third module is called tapestry it really doesn't apply to us this is actually to to use CRGE in a multiplayer environment um, either the, the game master could use it to help him along, um, if he's sort of winging it and not using a module, or he just wants some unexpected help, you know, instead of, instead of coming up with the answer, just roll the dice and see what the, the system says. You know, why not? Or, instead of doing that with a game master, you could play with a group of friends without a game master and make it a fully cooperative adventure, where everybody's controlling the character. I mean, again, none of these would really work with a pre-built scenario. So, you know, in a nutshell, that's what the CRGE is. It's really just a simple, simple system for for playing an RPG by yourself. And it would work with just about any RPG. Um, you know, you could go out there and buy a brand new RPG like Dungeons & Dragons or, or Fate or, gosh, any of the many ones that are out these days. Or you could go ahead and find an old, if you have some old D&D books, it'll work great with that. Um, if you want to do it on the cheap, I, I'd suggest... You could buy the Fate Accelerated book. I think it's like five bucks. That's all it costs, and that's the Fate rule system. And then you would use this to drive the story. I I find that when I role play a game solo, and I've mentioned it before, if you're a long time listener, you probably remember, I like using Rory story cubes along with whatever else I'm using to help me come up with unexpected ideas. You know, maybe maybe I'll get a yes, and, and I'm saying, well, and what? I don't know. So let me roll some story cubes. I'll get some pictures. And I'll just let the pictures inspire me about what the end is. So you know, for example, one of the off the top of my head, one of the dice in the story cubes has a fountain. So say, yes, and the fountain is full of gold that you didn't expect to find, or you know, or whatever. So so that works pretty well. So this is the CRG. Um, besides that, Zach has made a few other things. Let me let me mention those. Let me find those. Drive through RPG. Now, I'm going to admit, I'm not as familiar with these other ones yet. I did purchase the character one, but I haven't had a chance to look into it. Okay, so there is something called UNE, or U-N-E, the Universal NPC Emulator. Um, I believe this is the one I just bought the other day. Yeah, it is. Um, Similar similar to the CRGE, this is just with a few rows, you could create characters. And you sort of let the dice come up with the characters... With motivation, with their own motivations and all sorts of things. So as you're playing, you could, you know, for example, our story with with Indiana Jones. You know, we walked into the room, we found it is there's somebody in there, um, and we think to ourselves, you know, this is a great place for a nemesis. Let's, I want a nemesis. Um, I'm not sure what I want, so let me go use the une to come up with a nemesis, and that will let you actually roll up a nemesis or an NPC and have their own motivations and reasons for existing. Um which is which is nice and you could do that enough like again I haven't really tried it myself yet so I can't tell you how it works exactly. Um but it is there. Again, this is pay what you want. Um again I recommend paying as much as you can. The bold universal PC stories and deeds generator. That's another I'm sorry, that's another book by Zach. Um B-O-L-D, the Universal PC Stories and Deed Generator. It generates legends and deeds. That's pretty cool. Um, You can generate interesting character histories, downtime events, and even adventures. So that's kind of cool. So this is um, you're playing a game, and, and maybe you want your characters to have a gap of a couple years. You could sort of use this, it sounds like, to fill in that gap, what happened, because... You know, even though you weren't playing that time for it, praying, something was probably going on in their lives, or or maybe you know you have a new PC you wanted to join the party and you want a backstory for him. Instead of coming up with your own backstory, this system will let you come up with your backstory. That's what it looks like to me. Um, which is pretty neat. I, I should try that one. Another there's another book in the same series of um of aids. They all have a similar look at, um and style to them. This one is called Toss, a bus stop RPG framework. I have no idea what this is, and Toss is T O S S, Tales of Significant s- Situations. Um, it is a framework to play an RPG character when you normally wouldn't be able to RPG at a bus stop or during a commercial break. Toss works with virtually any RPG system to help set up a situation where something goes wrong, and then it's your job to. Go- Creatively narrate the NPCs' way out of situation. That's kind of neat. Okay, so this is just a, a way to make a quick, an easy scenario to play through instead of having like a whole epic adventure. Just a quick five minute, ten minute, fifteen minute, whatever, whatever it is, however much time you have, a little scenario just to play through and and resolve. It sounds like it's maybe a single scene or just one or two scenes. So those are the four products available from from Zach and Conjecture Games, which is I believe the name of his publishing publisher thing um i haven't actually used this system yet i have really wanted to i was reading it a a few weeks ago trying to use it with something i haven't quite figured out what i want to use it with but i got a book of uh, what is it called i've got a book for fate called worlds take flight that is like four or five different settings and one of them sounded really interesting in which you play god sort of at the dawn of time so I let you play stories like, like adventures of Odin and Thor and Loki, sort of like in the game we're going to talk about next. Anyway, these four items are all available in drive through RPG. Um, they're all pay what you want. So so please check them out. Well, Albert, are you are you an app type gamer? Not really, not 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 a not board game no, app. I, I am, know.
0: and there was a new board game app that came out, Burgle Bros. You remember Burgle Bros. We reviewed it a while ago.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So Burgle yeah, Bros. Yeah. is
0: now out for both Android and iOS for five dollars for each. Um, very good implementation of it. A uh, nice soundtrack nice. going on, easy to to play through. There's a nice tutorial that goes through the whole thing. I like the music that goes through it. Can you hear the music of the background, Albert? Nope. But I like the sound file. It just it matches the theme so well, and just sort of has an upbeat sort of uh, uh, tone to it, and it's a lot of fun playing through it. Um, great implementation, very nicely done. So that was a good implementation of Burgle Bros. For those who don't remember Burgle Bros., this is a game where you are a team of Ocean's Eleven type people trying to run around a three storied bank building or security building of some sort trying to break into all the safes and avoid all the traps and the detection codes and the security guards and using your special powers to get through raid the safes and get back out get back out again um
1: but it's a little more comic than Ocean's Eleven, isn't it? The the treasures are a little They
0: are a little silly because you'll do things like a live cat that will run around and alert the guards and stuff like that. <laughs> um, yes, it is more comical, but the, it still gives me that sort of feel to it. Um, originally the box, I don't think it's a very expensive even uh, box version of the game. It's a pretty small box. One moment while we'll I actually get some information on check? that
1: it's a towers and it? yeah it it's a tiny yeah it's a tiny
0: box. looking box
1: is it the same size as their their card I game? think that they the... put
0: your paperback is the one you're talking about they put all their boxes yes. in the same size box uh no maybe Burgle bros is not actually available anymore um but yeah, so Burgle Bros it's it's not available anymore that I'm aware of I think it's between prints um but the app version is out and I like it <laughs> I like it. I like it. I keep it.
1: Oh, check it out! Their website says the print run has arrived and it there is shipping. There you go. So, so you could go to their website and get it. flowers Dash Games. Well, I won't give you that. And line. I fully yeah. expect. We'll I fully expect
0: that everyone challenge. else is going to be getting it out too soon enough.
1: Mm. Yeah, through the distribution channels.
0: Do you recall re- when we reviewed um, Energy Empire? Mm-hmm. Yes. So yes, this that. is probably one of my f- favorite economic Euro games right now. Um In Energy Empire, you have it's a worker placement game where on your turn, you either place out workers or recollect all your workers, um, which is a similar mechanic that we're going to be seeing in Charterstone coming up where you always are doing something on your turn. But when you place out workers, so you're using that to build up pollution and build up points in order to keep racing and – use all of your buildings to get points by the, the most amount of points by the end of the game. Beautiful components to Energy Empire. It has in the box a solo mode. The solo mode is essentially just you with a unique set of goals that you have to meet. You have to meet a certain number of limits and you have to uh, make sure you clear the UN track, but it's really just playing solitaire there's no ai involved the designers are working on releasing an expansion and in that expansion they're going to be creating an automa style uh ai that is going to be playing through the game for you to be up against and it uses a set of cards that will have random workers coming out on the board or randomly adding pollution and i've had a chance to play test a little the print and play files are available on the board game geek website uh, for the, for the game, they've posted it up on Twitter. The designer has asked if anybody is willing to play test it and give some feedback. He's happy to accept it on his form. I've taken the opportunity to do some play testing on it. I think it is a really well implemented one. Um, I hope that some of the design of it, I'm sure the design of it is going to be a little bit different by the time it gets to it. Just the graphic design is going to be a bit different by the time we get to it. But I think it's a very well mm-hmm. implemented automa system. Uh, essentially every time you pull a card you run through everything on the card sometimes it'll take away some of your objectives sometimes it'll add more pollution sometimes it will put out more workers just play through whatever it says on the card all of it is an icon- iconographic and keep keep going through the game and it's just a very simple very easy very well designed automa system as much as i really like playing automa i prefer play, as much as I prefer playing Energy Empire, excuse me, I prefer playing it with the Automa than just against the Solitaire mode because there's more randomness about which worker spaces are available when. You don't really know when you're going to be able to go somewhere, so it's not like you could just keep doing the same thing over and over again. You sometimes have to deviate a bit more from your standard gameplay to take advantage of opportunities or because an opportunity you wanted had become too expensive when you're playing through it. So I really like playing with the Automa over the inbox one and I'm really hoping that it goes through very Mm -hmm. soon to be able to get a full release of that. But in the meantime until then I've got a printout of it that I'm playing with. And so yay cool. So anybody who's interested in Energy Empire, I definitely recommend you print off a copy of the Tama for yourself, throw up some playtests Make sure the play- make sure the the designers know that the one player guild is behind them for these continued developments. I think that's another important reason why we should sort of give our voices to these things, so that they know that the one player guild is interested in these sort of things being developed. But if you like Energy Empire, if you have a copy of it, I really recommend going and picking up a print off of that Altama.
1: Mm-hmm, nice. Okay. Yeah. That that sounds good. I do like the the way it makes a game mm-hmm. more interesting. And definitely, I'd say act fast because the print and play files may go off at some point, no? Um, Probably not. They're on BGG. I can't imagine they will. I mean, you can't. People have deleted files from there before, especially when it gets published. But I mean, they're there for playtests.
0: I expect the playtest is going to be there for a bit.
1: We'll include links to that also. Hang on a second. Hello, Jennifer. All right.
0: Good night. There's a child in the place. (laughs) Oh, goodbye, child.
1: She doesn't hear a thing because I got headphones on. Oh, so you're
0: on. saying if I were to scream really loudly, she wouldn't be able to hear me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, I, and I wouldn't be able to hear a thing anymore. Rip <laughs> headphones. Julius, Julius, Rip are you headphones. You're, you're just whistling now going, dooooh, Julius. Yeah, anyway. Nice. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, well, cool. Um, I don't have any more news. How about you?
0: Um, <laughs> let me double
1: check it. Oh. oh, you know what? I did get my... Uh, my copy of Hostage Negotiator. Cool. Crime scene in the mail did, yesterday. Did everything fit in the box nicely? Yeah, yeah very nice. Oh, yeah. The box is so huge. I cannot believe how big it is. It's, you know, I thought of a... Um your Feast for Odin <laughs> when I opened it. I don't think it's quite that deep, but it's it's that big of a box and stuff. Yeah, I mean, another thing that came for me,
0: a friend had got a copy of Seventh Continent, which we had talked about a while ago and I played the print-and-play, and, play, and mm-hmm. sadly, I forgot to finish backing it. So I don't have a copy of it, and I really, 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 really want to play through it. I got a chance to play through a friend's copy for about an hour or so. Um, it was fun. It was a lot of fun playing through it. I would love to play through more of it. (sighs) Allegedly, they're going to be running another Kickstarter to make it available soon, which reminds me of what happened with Gloomhaven. But
1: yeah, I remember when it it was on Kickstarter, I thought about back and I said, you know, I'll just wait for the retail version. And then they came out and said, um, when I can do a retail version. Yeah, that hurt. <laughs> so, so it is fun and all that. And so, you played one hour. If I remember right, that's not very no, much. No, it's game, not. Right? It's we got like many hours long.
0: Eight cards in. Oh, well. but we did hunt some fish. But you're able to save the state. We we well, we're actually not able to save the state because it's not my copy.
1: <laughs> oh, So yeah, if I want to play through
0: again, I've I've got to just march my way through that bit again.
1: It's neat that it's finally out. It's taken a while, but
0: you know this is huge. It has taken a while. I mean, there's some definite improvements from the print and play that are nice to see. Um, I think that there still could have been some more improvements for the game, but that would probably have to hold off till a full review. Like, for example, they printed the rulebook on this like flimsy paper, oh. which feels like it's going to fall apart.
1: Mm. I, I remember like games like Agricola came in these really thin rulebooks, like newsprint almost, yeah. or, or like a magazine paper.
0: Wow. Well, I mean, I think it's not even loose print. I think it's non-glossy magazine is what it is. Wow, okay. <laughs> but it folds really easy.
1: Okay. Well, that helps. <laughs> and it's lighter. Saves them a little money there because that's an expensive game. Very cool. I want to hear more about that if you get to play it more.
0: I will definitely have to get through
1: it. All right. Uh, should we go ahead and jump into the game? Sure, today? let's do it. All right, so today's game is Yggdrasil, Yggdrasil. I really don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry. Yggdrasil. It is a Yggdrasil? Okay. Yggdrasil. 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 Oh, sorry. Yes. Yggdrasil. Okay. It is a game of Norse mythology, right? It's a uh, you you're fighting, you're defending uh uh Asgard from from the enemies of the gods. And this game was published in 2011 by uh by man Games. It was designed by Cedric Luffebour and Fabrice Rebellino. Uh, and there's a second edition that came out in 2013 that it included an expansion. There was an expansion that came out somewhere between those two points, and the second edition included the base game plus the expansion. Sadly, neither version is available today. Um, the game is out of print and hard to get and, and a little bit expensive, unfortunately. But it is a fun game. I don't know that I would pay the, the going rates for it, but I'm also cheap. Um, this is a cooperative game. Uh, I think it supports one through like six players. Yeah, it supports one through six players. Um, in the game you're playing, Norse gods, different Norse gods, and you're basically trying to stop. I mentioned the enemies of uh of the gods. There's you know like Loki, his three children, Hell, Fenrir, Jorma, Jormungundar, Surt, and Nidhog. And they're advancing,
0: and I'm sure you pronounced each of those names correctly.
1: Exactly. Yep. You can you can swear I'm a Norseman, just just for my pronunciations. But um, Pronunciation. you're basically yeah. They're they're advancing, and so what am I going to say? I'm sort of just jumping around here. I have no real direction.
0: Um. Well, I believe that's why we have this nice rubric for you to actually go through. Would you like to try it again?
1: yeah so the game (laughs) everybody's gonna be
0: sending me emails again saying that i should be nicer to you the the last time i was so mean to you 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 gave that whole history and so many people sent me so many emails saying hey be nice to him we like the history oh really i didn't know that yeah i did i got a bunch of emails so i i need to i need to practice being nice to albert i'm sorry to all the listeners i really apologize albert's an excellent person i'm sorry for being so mean to him
1: yeah, you didn't mention the history was a hit. If I'd known, I would have practi- uh, worked up a lot more notes for this one and talked about Norse mythology. Well, I don't know if the history was a hit. I just
0: think a lot of people told me they liked it. It's not like we put uh, any polls out there. I'm sure that I'd, if we were to ask this,
1: <laughs> as plain people would say, no more history. Or at least I I'd hope there would be. Hit. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I, I may or may not cut some of this, but I think I'm going to keep it. But So so let me jump into the rules, because I was sort of rambling before. Um, the rule book, it's very simple rules. The they Actually, the... Every time I go back and play the game, you know, it's been a few months, and I go back to look for the what my turn order is, I cannot find in the rulebook. I keep flipping through all the pages. And, and finally, after a few minutes of looking, looking, and looking, I realize it's on page one, it's two, basically two statements. The actions are, first, draw a card, and then f- do your four-player actions, and that's an entire turn. Real simple. Um, uh, other than me having trouble finding the rules in the rulebook... It's all very well laid out. Once I'm playing, I'm able to jump really quickly to, to the section I need and find the answers, and, and I, I find it well done. Um, one thing I don't like is, well, i got used to it, is the game has a lot of iconography. All the components are text-free, other than the rulebook. Um, once you get used to it, the, you know, like most games, the icons are easy enough to follow, and they make sense, and they're internally consistent. But it does take a little while to learn them, and so you end up referencing the book quite a bit. Um, just you know, a small small complaint, I think. Um, the theme is very well implemented, I think. The so, so recently I've been listening to the audiobook Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman, he just released the book, I think, this year and, and printed in printed and audiobook format. And he's going and retelling all these Norse myths. So, I've been listening to that and then playing this game, and there's a lot of correlation obviously between the two, and it's just neat to see all that stuff. See so it implement it as a game and, and listen to the stories about it, and so I really enjoyed that. Um, you know the game is a bit abstract its a, it's a co-op game, but still the the way they implemented the different parts of it, it within that abstractness I thought worked pretty well and, and seemed consistent um, What I haven't mentioned really is was it Yggdrasil is a is the world tree? It's a tree which is at the center, I guess, of the universe of the Norse cosmology, mm-hmm. and it connects to the nine world different worlds. world tree. Yes. Uh, and I'm going to dig a little bit into the history or, or mythology of this stuff. It, it connects to nine different worlds. This is a um, history
0: that is much cooler to me than your past history, so I'll let it go. It, oh,
1: okay. <laughs> and so it connects to the nine different worlds, such as Asgard, where the gods live, Alfheimer where the light elves live. My, my pronunciation is going to get so bad now. Nidavellir, Home of the Dwarves, Midgard, Where the Humans Live, Jotunheimer, Vanaheim, Niflheim, Muspelheim, and Hell. Those are all the different worlds. And they're each, well except for one, maybe representing the game differently. Um, and it's pretty neat. The, the board itself is actually a picture of the tree and, and how it connects to all the worlds. And I, I really like that art. Um, and so in the game I've mentioned it's Norse mythology if you're not familiar with Norse mythology the, there's the different gods Odin is the chief god and there's a few others like Freya and Thor that are very famous and one of the gods which is often their nemesis is Loki a, a troublemaker um, and he's playing as one of the enemies in this game uh, the, the way the game works let me get into this a little bit Actually, I'll get into this later. So so you're fighting Loki and some other enemies of the Norse gods. That they're enemies from the various stories. Um, What else? The components. I already mentioned the board. I really like the way the board looks. Uh, it, It's just nice art. I think it's nice art. It, sometimes I almost think it's a little cartoony. And I'm not sure if that's an accurate way to describe it. But overall, I really like it. Besides the board, you get a bunch of cards, some to represent the the enemies of the gods, some for the weapons the gods get to wield, and some for giants. There's also a bunch of different counters. Um, mostly of the different... There's counters for the giants that get in your way, there's counters for the humans that could help you, the Vikings, and there's also counters for the, the elves and, and the veneer. Um... The g- the gameplay, right? Is there anything else I want to say about the counter? All the counters are decent quality. All all the art is consistent. I really like the gameplay a lot. Actually, I feel personally that it feels a lot, mechanically speaking, like a States of Siege game. If you're familiar with those in the States of Siege games, you know, there's there's four or five or maybe six tracks, and each enemy is approaching on one of these fronts and along a line.
0: Like Donald of the yeah, Zeds. That's it's right. And they're basically moving from
1: one yes. space to the next. Um, and your goal is to keep pushing them back. If anybody reaches the end, they've caught you and you lose. It's a very similar thing here. Each turn, you're drawing a card and telling you which enemy to move forward, and that enemy is moving forward on the track, and you're able to fight him and push him back. Um, it's a little bit different. It's represented as a single track, but, you know, does it really matter if there's five tracks or one track? E- each person is moving forward on that track. Um, and also, it's a little bit different in that you could lose if a single enemy reaches the end, or three enemies reach the uh, breakpoint before that. Or five enemies reach one before that. Um, but again, that's just a little bit of details. It really is States of Siege like in many ways. Um, it is also a tough game. I really, really find it challenging. I played it again last night under easy mode. And I just barely won. J- just managed to, to squeak out a little win. And had a good time with it. Um... This game is really, there's a lot of luck in this game. There's a die in there, and you're rolling dice, so so there's a lot of luck when you're fighting. There's a luck, you know, you don't know which gods are going to move forward each turn on the track, and where which giants you have to deal with, and each time, uh, I'm not going into details again, but each time you draw a giant, that giant will affect the game in some way until it is killed. For example, some giants will stop the gods from using their special powers, or... Some giants may say that you don't get to roll the dice when you're fighting, and say you just got to use your your other ways to add to your your tag not total. Um, so they make it tough. Um, all this random. There's also another interesting component. I didn't really mention it. There's a there's four worlds in Midgard. There's four islands, and they're represented in the game by four bags. Each bag's a different color, and at the beginning of the game, they're seated with a number of giants and humans. One of the actions you could take is you could go to an island and then reach into the bag and pull out three counters. Any humans you find, you get to keep. Any giants you put back. So, you know, so obviously the more humans you're taking out, the worse it's getting. But there are ways to add humans back into the bag, or even take giants out of the bag permanently. Um, all these, all these, all this randomness. There's always different ways to mitigate them in the game, and that's what this game is about. Um, there's ways to make sure that when you have a combat. You, you could do better, not just the random die row modifier. You could have a weapon, or you could have Vikings that help you, you could have Elves that help you, and all these different things. You know, reduce your, your luck, but also take turns to build up these resources. Um, those bags, again, you could affect what's in them, you could add more Vikings from... Um, from oh, where do the Vikings go when they die? I forgot. Is it?
0: Are you saying a mythology or in <laughs> a little mechanics? bit of both? I
1: think they go to to hell in the game. So you could get some Vikings and put them into the bag, or you could get you could go to the bag and remove some of the giants and and these different things. They all help mitigate the randomness. So really, that's what this game is about: is trying to cope with the randomness and, and reduce it so that you you can do better in the game or more predictably. Um. Each of those enemies are interesting because each time you draw a card for the enemy, you move it forward on the track, and each enemy has a different effect. Um, And so you're balancing which enemies do you need to send back because as they advance in their line, they start becoming tougher and and more damaging. So you kind of want to push them back, but you're also mitigating and trying to do other stuff and dealing with this and that. And just a really fun game. I find it really interesting. um, Mechanically and thematically.
0: Do you get confused about having to be so many different actions involved?
1: No, not really. There there's eight actions that you could take and each one is in a specific section of the board and and so you you could see what each board each section looks like and they're all very very different. Um for example, if you go to the land of the elves, you just take an elf counter and those elf counters give you bonuses when you fight. If you if you go to the where the giants are, the action there is try and fight the giant and just kill him. Um, so that's just roll a die. if you go to the, the land of the dwarves, um, you're just going there to, to take a card, a weapon, that will that will help you fight one of the monsters, one of your enemies. So yeah, I don't I don't find it confusing. Because it's all split up and organized very well on the board.
0: So now you compared it to the States of Siege games. Do you mm-hmm. think it's better than those other ones or do you think it ranks? I mean, the easiest one um, to compare it for me is Dawn of the Zeds because that's the one I'm most familiar with. But I know there are others and I know that you're more familiar with them.
1: Yeah. So, in in term mechanically or com, in terms of complexity, I would say it's probably somewhere in the middle or, or the high middle. Um, it's definitely not as simple as. Oh, gosh, I don't remember some of the easier ones right now. The, the Alamo one or the Israeli Independence. It's not as easy as those at all. It's, it's definitely more complex, but I don't think it was as complex as dawn of the zeds which had a lot of different things to it and, and a lot of uh, variants and things you could do with it especially with that last edition so it's, it's a pretty middle of the road well, slightly above middle of the road ish in terms of complexity now again it isn't a war game the theme is not war or well, i mean i guess it could be you're fighting the enemies of odin and and the gods but uh, I, I think if you're uh, you're a war game fan this is not necessarily going to appeal to you even though mechanically it's, it's very similar to those games I don't doubt that the designers were inspired by Victory Point game, States of Siege. I would not be surprised to hear that at all. So wait, do you? Th- I I didn't understand your. I, uh, <laughs> it was a double negative, wasn't it? I'm saying I I would. I I bet that the designers played a States of Siege game, and that was part of the inspiration. Yeah,
0: but I'm asking you, how would you compare it to the other States oh, of Siege games?
1: I th- I think it's just as good as any States of Siege game. I think it's, like I said, it's, it's just like one. And, you know, so if you enjoy the States of Siege games, you can enjoy this. And I do.
0: And so, um, theoretically, like, because this is not something that's easily available, are you saying that essentially you can just get Dawn of the Zeds to get the same sort of feeling of a game? I mean, what makes this one more unique than, say, Dawn of the Zeds? The...
1: the th- that's a good question, isn't it? The I think mechanically the the types of actions I think you do are gonna be a little bit different. So so it doesn't have the same feel, so I think it's really thematic. I think the the, the reason to go for this versus Donald Zens is the theme. Theme and not mechanics. Not mechanics. I think uh-huh. I mean, you know, me- mechanically they aren't they're not exactly the same, obviously, but they're not all that different. Interesting that you say it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought of it that way if you had an S.
0: I mean, because usually we try and look for the differences. Like, why would you pick this game over that game? And you're really not.
1: I <laughs> give it uh, well, much again, if you don't like zombies and you don't want to go for, for Dawn of the Zeds, if you're really into Norse mythology, yeah, then this is the reason for Go for it. Yeah, I hear it it is a fun game, and I, I do wish it was available. It really should get reprinted because, because it's a great game. It's as good as Dawn of the Zeds or any of the others.
0: Now that it could be, it's possible to get reprinted. I know that the uh, publishers, though, have said that it's probably not going to get reprinted.
1: Mm, okay, yeah, I you know I I don't know why you know I'm sure that's all related to business decisions and whatnot.
0: Well, I mean, to say the honest truth, we thought the same thing about um, Glenn Moore. As well, And then there was that whole thing where they made Loon Architects, and I thought Loon Architects was probably even better version than Glenmore. But when Loon Architects came out, then they decided, you know what, we're going to reprint Glenmore too, and we're going to make a better <laughs> version of Glenmore. So it could be that someone's going to take Yggdrasil. But here's my question. I don't see why they would ever want to reprint it when you're over here saying, hey, it's just another States of Siege game. Just get another States of Siege game. There's nothing really pushing me towards Yggdrasil.
1: Yeah, again, it, it's a theme, but but you know, <laughs> th- that may not push you to it, but I, I think many people would still get it. Um Sano <laughs> so it's just like that other game. I shouldn't get it. Y- you could say that, but you look at many people's shelves, and you can see that they have many, many games that are all very similar. <laughs> so you know, starting with me, number one, because <laughs> really, do I need Agricola and Agricola Family Edition and Orin Labora and Fields of Arrows? They're all Relatively similar and slightly different here and there.
0: I suppose maybe we have different <laughs> outlooks on how we how we collect games, then Albert.
1: Yeah, yeah. If you're looking for yet another states of siege game and you want something different, this is this is the way to go. I assume
0: it gives a fair amount of variety than the other ones because mm-hmm. you did say the mechanics are somewhat different. What's yeah? What's the biggest? What's the most interesting mechanic for you in the game?
1: The the draw bags. You're pulling shits out of a bag, basically. Each bag, there's there's four bags, and the on the board, the the Valkyries start at the left of the board, and they could work... By taking an action, you can move them one space to the right, to the first island, and then a the next action will move them to the next island, all the way to the last island. The first island, the first bag, has mostly giants and a few humans. It's something like 12 giants and 3 humans, or 15 giants and 3 humans. The last bag, the odds are reversed... It's twelve humans and three giants. Um, so that mechanic of you know trying to get to the right to get the best thing, but wasting a lot of actions to do that, is really interesting. And then having those bags where you're always drawing stuff, from and as you draw, you know, the odds of getting good things changes. I find that really fun. That and seeing the enemies advance on the track is it's again that's just like the siege. And it's a single track, but watching them advance is, is a little stressful. I find that game that it's a lot of tension to the game. So yep. Yeah. Um what else? So there's also an app for this. You got to try it a little while ago, Julius, right before the show. There's an <laughs> uh, there's an app of of Yggdrasil for Android and uh Apple products. I stuff. Well by try it you meant I picked it up and then
0: <laughs> said, This doesn't work very well and put it back down. Now the granted I'm playing the app on my little phone here. It may work better on a bigger tablet, but even then, the uh, English uh, was a bit left wanting. There's no tutorial. Yeah. There's no rules link. You can hit a little question mark to be able to figure out something, but it's not clear to me what all of this means. So I don't get it.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, that's, no, you know, fair to say it's a fan app. It, it's not like published by a big publishing house or anything. So, but you're familiar with the game
0: itself. Do you,
1: uh, do you play the app? Do you enjoy the app? I only just got it last week to try. You know, I don't really play apps. You know, I'm not a big app fan, so I'm not likely to play it too much. Um, I I just don't like playing app versions of board games. But it's what I did play, it seemed to follow the rules very well um, once I figured out how to use the interface and all that. The the app, it does have a copy of the rules before you start the game. It looks like it's a scan of the rules, basically. Or or maybe just an image of them. Um, So it's all there to play it's definitely playable but like you is saying that it's a little hard to use at first and the language is not great the translation it was i think that the android version is about four dollars and so for an unpolished game that seems a little bit high you know again it's functional and you could try it out
0: well do you do you want to give your final overview
1: of the game final thoughts. Oh, I- I have already mentioned, I think I love this game. I, okay. I really enjoy playing it. I, I love that it's a state of siege and it's not a victory points game. It's just somebody else went and took that, the system and did something different with it. I mean, for me, I think
0: the game looks from listening to you, it sounds more interesting than Dawn of the Zeds. I like the art of it more. I like what you're doing. I like the bag building. It looks more interesting to me than Dawn of the Zeds. You didn't, give me any real faith of that but there's a bag that you're building here there's some nice dice involved the theme looks cooler i think the art looks much nicer for this than i would Mm -hmm. see in dawn of the zeds uh like the art of the the different um i don't know what you call them the the bad guys the the other ones the enemies and them but i think that all the art looks really nice but it's not available (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is sad.
1: Yeah, and so if you go to the BGG marketplace, it is you know, an understatement. It's a little expensive. There's copies listed for, for over $100, and looking at the sales history, a game has sold for as much as 140 Yeah. I would not pay that much for it. I don't think so. But I who was knows? At one point in time,
0: make them up for trade for someone. Yeah. I mean, that's usually that's usually what I see is that there's plenty of people who are offering these sort of things for trade.
1: Yeah, and that tends to work... Better, more easily. Or, you know, sometimes you just email somebody and say, hey, you know, I saw you have this game for a trade. Are you willing to sell it? I know. Sometimes people will make a reasonable offer. That can happen. Maybe. But, yeah, it, it's a, it is a neat game. And I mentioned there's an expansion. The expansion basically just adds more gods and it tweaks the rules slightly, but barely at all. It's kind of the, expa- the type of expansion I like, really. Um, just more characters to play. Actually, when I say they tweaked it tweaked the real slightly, that's not entirely true. It gives every p- god a second power that uh, you could take it and flip that card-, card over by doing an action. And now there's a power that affects everybody. And, and they're pretty powerful, but when you do that, that person can no longer fight the enemies. And that can hurt because you're drawing an enemy an enemy every turn. And if you're not pushing an enemy back every turn, you're, you're definitely losing ground. Anemone. <laughs> so that makes a challenge. Anemones. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, anemones are great um, That's another thing about this game the, I think mathematically it was well thought out And well designed Because you're you're constantly losing ground and, and it sort of reaches a climax at the end of the game Where where you're about to lose And, and you know you, You're just struggling t- to get things right And survive And it feels like it's just very well balanced Then again I was playing in the easy mode <laughs> <laughs> Lame <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I wanted to make sure I made it all the way through the end. One last time before talking about the game. <laughs> I have played harder, and it definitely is harder. All righty, so I guess that's going to be
0: Yggdrasil. Um, yep. Hopefully everyone had a good time at Gen Con. This is being recorded before GenCon, but or Gen Can't, rather. And uh, could probably hit uh, release after Gen Can't. But yep. hopefully everyone had a grand time. Hopefully we'll see some people out there at Gen Can't.
1: And uh, talk to yep. you guys soon. And if you're in the path of the eclipse, I hope you enjoyed it because this should be coming out the same day of the eclipse and it's over by now. It was great. I was in the path and it was just amazing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we'll talk about that next time.
1: Yeah. All right. There we go. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening.
0: Bye bye. all. Good night. Thanks for listening. We love feedback. So we love hearing from you.